On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about Jean Chrétien and about residential schools because part of an interview he did earlier this week talked about that. He was the Minister of Indian Affairs, as they used to call it, who was in charge of that. He made an interesting comment in that interview. What does it mean to us, to him, to the future? We'll talk about that one. We're going to also talk about what's happening with the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL. It is a very difficult story. It is a very bad news story. And I don't think it's a story that's run its course anywhere close to where it's going to finally end up. But we will discuss that one. Stay with us. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Earlier this week, we on this show talked about an interview that former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien did Sunday or Saturday or I think it was, it was on the weekend. And one of the things back when we talked about this earlier in the week, we were talking about what were seemingly some surprising shots that he took at the current government about how it dealt with China and about inflation and other things. But there's another part of this interview that I want to get into this evening. And that is the fact that from 1968 to 1974, Jean Chrétien was the, what was then called the Ministry of Indian Affairs. He was the Minister of Indian Affairs. So on this interview, he was asked, more than one interview, by the way, he did a couple of them because uh, he's got a new book out. He was asked about his knowledge of abuse happening at residential schools. Here was his quote. This problem was never mentioned when I was minister. Never. That's an exact quote from Jean Chrétien. Well, it did not take too long for some reporters to start digging around and finding a number of reports that were filed during the time that he was in that position that might lead you to think that that's not necessarily accurate or that at least would contradict his statement or suggest that somebody was aware of something. I want to bring in Richard Brennan. Uh, Richard is a familiar voice. He covered Queens Park and Parliament Hill for, I think, four decades, give or take. One of the great political and analysts, commentators that we've had in this country. Richard joins us now. Richard, how are you tonight? Hi, Scott. How are you doing? Well, look, I'm doing okay, but l- let me go right to you on this one. The, the former prime minister says that he had no knowledge of this nothing was said in his time in office ever you buying that i didn't buy it from the second i heard it uh i heard that and i said to my wife i don't believe that at all i'm not saying that uh, mr kretchen you know doesn't recall it that could be the case man is 87 years old he might not recall it but just to so firmly say that i was not aware of any such thing it, 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 you know, it's just beyond belief. That's all it is. And, you know, when you say, and I agree with you, I mean, he is 87. We know people who get up in years can forget stuff, but I got to tell you, Rick, if you watch that interview and many people would have, or they can on YouTube, he is not a doddering old man. He is sharp. He remembers everything. I mean, Joe Biden, you might have some concerns about Jean Chrétien. You know, if there is forgetfulness there, boy, he hit it well, because he is still very sharp. Oh, he's as sharp as a tack, and that's what, that's, what, that's what makes you wonder why the heck he would say that. Because you know, you, you can only take a second to think about this, that a reporter is going to get onto that, going to find out what exactly you knew, when you knew it, and who, who informed you within hours, if not a couple days. But, you know, it was pretty quick they... They said, look, as far back as 1968, he was made aware of a situation. And in one case, it was at a residential school north of his riding. And, I mean, why he would say that 
is beyond me. I, I just don't get it. Because no, people, okay, go ahead. You know, people, are, people are going to know that. There's still people around, let's face it. I was in my last year of high school, but there's people around in the, in the political world that still remember those days and what, was, what information was available. And to think that he would just, you know, try and paper that over is a mistake on his part, for sure. You know how the system works better than almost anybody. Is there a chance that those reports came into his office, or I think there was one handwritten letter that was identified from a teacher, a very heartfelt letter. Is there a chance that they came into his office, but they were never given to him, that his staff might have deflected those? No. Why? All kinds of... It, uh, concern, something of the great concern. You have to, you know, we're, we're looking back at, you know, at 50 plus years ago, and things are different now, of course, but even so, if a minister, if it was brought to his attention or her attention that there was abuse going on at a residential school, and it was, you know, from a teacher, I think, in, in one case, and saying, this is, this is unacceptable, you can't tell me that that wouldn't be brought to the attention of the minister. It, that, you know, that just, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible to believe, let's put it that way. This is where these things, I think, always get so complicated. Should he be judged today? Should any politician be judged today for decisions made 50 years ago when at that time sensibilities and feelings and standards were different than they are right now? God, that's, that's a, you know, the old $60,000 question because, you know, can we apply the today's standards back to back then? I would, in some cases, I would say no, but in the case, you know, the case of, you know, the residential schools, I mean, politicians knew way back that what was going on, whether he knew that, you know, the, you know, the, the nitty gritty of it, but politicians, if it wasn't him, it was others had heard or heard the rumors or, or, or knew personally that the situation was, you know, uh, appalling at these schools. So I think in this case, yes, you know, you have to look at it. It isn't that far removed in this case because of what we're, what we're seeing and what we know today about the residential schools. What he did about it, I'm not, I'm not sure if he did, you know, he says he doesn't know, didn't know anything. Nobody ever brought it to his attention attention you know is that plausible denial i don't i don't know but boy if somebody had seen that letter that apparently he got in 1968 and didn't tell him that that is just borders on criminal as far as i'm concerned again but to ask, ask, answer your question I, you know this is happening so often that we're trying to apply our lens today on what happened 50 years ago. And it'll be interesting if 50 years from now, which I probably won't be around, I'm sure to know that, but 50 years ago, you know, people in politics now, there'll be somebody there then looking back and saying, well, how could that have happened? You know, this person did that, and, and you know, what 100%. they did was appalling, you know, what they did was unacceptable. And it's, so, I mean, you can't, 
in a lot, lot of ways, you just can't apply that lens in all things political or otherwise with what we know today and what we, what we expect from our politicians or from anybody's behavior these days. Rick, the real irony to me of this is that we are tearing down, not we, but, you know, we, the society, is tearing down statues of Sir John A. Macdonald and Eggert and Ryerson and demanding that the name of the Langevin block be changed and that Henry Dundas, the Dundas Street be changed. And those guys were way, 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 way back at a time that bears no resemblance to modern society, but we're holding them at a level that says you should have thought like you would have in 2021 and yet the politicians that are way, way, way closer to us in time, so far there's been no cries for this. I have, and I know it would be very complicated, but I have yet to hear anybody official saying, you know, Jean Chrétien, that ministerial role he held as Minister of Indian Affairs was in a government that was, the Prime Minister was, well, look who that Prime Minister was. Pierre Trudeau, maybe Pierre Trudeau Airport should be renamed, but I've heard no calls for something like that. Not it, it, yet. it seems very confusing. Not yet. You're right. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, we, we could, we, you know, in in the years to come, we could, we're going to hear all kinds of things, just like we, you know, did about Sir John A. Macdonald and, and Dundas and others. You know, two years, three years ago, most people couldn't even have told you who Dundas was. If you raised his name, you know, people wouldn't have known. And then somebody did some research and I, and I, and I've talked about this before in the show, I'm not very good research about Dundas, but anyway, they, they looked into him and they found, they extrapolated what they wanted to about it and said that, you know, you know he, was, uh, he was against emancipation and all that, which is not quite true. But, you know, those kind of things are going to happen. And if people, if people demand that, you know, that, you know, in a few years that, that, uh, um, you know, other statues should be toppled, including Justin's dad. You know, it's it's going to happen. I mean, it is today's people who will determine what's acceptable, what wasn't acceptable way back when, and whether it needs to be erased or at least uh, brought to uh, attention of the public what the heck went on. Yeah, and I mean, look, this this becomes so incredibly complicated and we've argued we've talked about this for for months and years now because it is the challenge of applying a entirely different societies and civilizations lens to what you did back then and look rick I, i don't think anybody you're certainly not saying this i'm not saying this we're not saying that what was done back when johnny mcdonald was prime minister was a good thing but you know, there is a discussion to be had about how much is it that you are a man of your time or a woman of your time. And I think that, you know, Jean Chrétien and if Pierre Trudeau was still with us, they may make the same argument that we were doing what was considered appropriate or reasonable or to the best of our abilities or best of our discernment at the time. Yeah, what was expected of them at the time. Right. And it's and, and again, what was expected of them at the time does not pass muster now. Right. Correct. Hundred percent correct. Yeah. But so, does that make it wrong? And and that's the that's the argument that everyone can have. And I'm not saying yes or no right now. We don't have time to go into that kind of dive, but that becomes the question. Is back then a decision back then applied now wrong if it was wrong then and not wrong you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, you know, well, there's some things e- even you look back, you know, what McDonald and others did back then, and Ryerson, and, you know, 
Again, the Ryerson thing's a bit muddy, too. It's, it's not as clear-cut as people like to believe. But the thing is, they thought they were doing the right thing. Even back then, I'm sure there was people, had they known what these guys were up to, would have said, hold on a second, you can't get away with that. That's why I think people are, are looking at that those situations now and applying our lens, but I'm sure a lens that people would have had back then even, had they known what was happening. And remember, yep. this is, you know, this is a time when, you know, Christmas, you know, there was, you couldn't even cross Canada in a, in a train, <laughs> you know, I mean, way back when. So people didn't know what, they, what was happening in Ottawa for the most part. The odd newspaper story would come out, but they didn't have a clue. And I'm, and I'm sure many people back then would have said, hold on, you can't get away with, you can't, you can't create schools for, uh, you know, to try and beat the, uh, the Indian out of the kids, so mm-hmm. to speak. And that's what they were trying to do. They're trying just to erase them. <clears throat> it is, me, but yeah. The thing is, it's, it's so much different now. And, and I think people are getting up there. And you know what sparked this? And we all know this is finding those unmarked graves that really brought attention uh, to the well, situation. Well, humanized like, like nobody would ever seen before. Scott, I'll just tell you a little story right now. Sure. When, when I was, uh, you know, a, a kid back in the 50s, a young kid, you know, we'd go out for Sunday drives, and I remember driving by the Mohawk Institute in Brantford, and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, what is that? He said, oh, that's a school for Indian kids. That's all I knew. Never questioned it, and and didn't find out till much later when I was you know a young reporter what kind of things were going on there. And a lot of people were in the dark about what was happening uh, at those residential schools. Should we have been in the dark? No, but that, that was the case. And I went to, I went to school with lots of kids from the Six Nations, and. N- Nobody ever, nobody for the Six Nation, and none of the kids my age raised it, talked about it, or anything like that. And that's why I think people were so shocked. They just didn't know what was going on there. Should we have known? Yes, but we didn't. Yeah, it is, uh, it, it, as I say, it, it adds to the complication of all the stuff that's going on about... What should be done? What shouldn't we? We got to run, unfortunately. Yeah. But it is, um, you know, the, uh, unquestionably, unquestionably today. If if we knowing what we know now, uh, we would say that what was done back then was absolutely wrong. It the the question is always going to be: Should you be applying a standard that they could it be fairly expected for them to have known this? That's a that's a deep philosophical discussion and debate that uh, will carry on. Uh, Rick Brennan, always appreciate having you on here. Thanks for the time. Okay, Scott. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. What do you think is the best-selling beer in the United States? Bubba O'Neill joins us, a man who I don't know that he's ever let an American beer touch his lips. Sir, have you? Or are you a a craft beer and cultured excellent beer drinker only? Uh, I'm not a beer drinker at all. Really? Never have been. Don't like it. Yuck. Gross. Yucky. (laughs) So, yeah, so I was going to give you a chance to have a guess. Well, you can still take a guess on this. What do you I, think? I'll, I'll, I'll say Schlitz. <laughs> Schlitz Light. <laughs> <laughs> Schlitz Light. 
Yeah, I think if we did the list of 400 top-selling American beers, <laughs> that still might not be reached. Schlitzlight yeah. lemon. Would be... <laughs> oh, lemon lime, right. Wow. Yeah, anything to get make the beer, the taste of beer better. Never All happened. Right, so... more, more, of a, more, of a, more of a spirits guy, my friend. All right, well, I'm going to put you down as probably the only person who's going to come in with a guess for Schlitzlight today. <laughs> but there's our first guess. In the Schlitz-like category, Bubba O'Neill. All right. Uh, let us stop laughing for a minute here because I do want to talk about something. Uh, I think most people are probably aware of this story now. It is a very serious story. The There was a report that came out of the NHL this week uh, about the Chicago Blackhawks. The story is that there was a report. There were allegations. There was a report of a player within the organization who had been sexually assaulted by a video coach this report has now come out, and Bubba, this, uh, you know, again, for, I think most people know this story by now, but for those who don't, this has, is it, is it an overstatement to say this has laid waste to the front office of the Chicago Blackhawks? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond a stain to the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, it extends to the National Hockey League, um, but it's, it, it also extends into sports and the, and the culture that has been developed over the last, you know, 50, 75 years of you know, being that good guy, not speaking up, not saying anything. Um, and um, I just finished hearing, you know, at least the last, I mean, I know it's a, it, it probably goes for about 20 minutes, but I've just heard the first 10 or 15 minutes of the player, which it's been now named as Kyle Beach, um, was a player of the 2010. Um, when it comes to one of the Black Aces, if people don't know who the Black Aces are, they're kind of the, they're kind of the practice roster guys, you know. We compare that in the CFL, um, right? They're ready to step in if someone can't play, and so they practice and they work out together, and they're ready right. to go if something happens in the playoffs. Exactly. So they're one of these types of players. And first of all, I mean, let's give credit where credits due here. Um, Burlington's Rick Westhead uh, been all over this story, and he has the interview with Kyle Beach. And I would subscribe to anyone um, if you've read or you know a little bit of about the the story to listen to his words. They're very strong. They're um, at times going to really maybe make you emotional, maybe. And uh, it's, it's a tough story. Um, there are so many angles, so many people whose reputations, uh, including Kyle Beach, which has been ruined. Um, but there's a lot of offspring to this, Scott. And uh, we're, we've only, you know, Scott Bowman, who was, you know, one the once comes from a respected family of, you know, from his father, 20 years with the Blackhawks. He's been removed as the general manager. Other players, of, you know, people in management have stepped down. There's going to be more to come. Um, Quenville, the head coach of the Florida Panthers, who was the coach of the Blackhawks, he's got a meeting with the commissioner tomorrow. Shovel Dayoff, the, the general manager of the Jets, who was the assistant general manager at the time, of the Blackhawks, he has a meeting with Kerry Batman. Boy, this is a this is as big of a bombshell, Scott, as I think we've ever seen in this league. Well, and, and again, just a, a little more background for those who don't know. So the story was here that an hour—I mean, it's amazing—an hour after the Chicago Blackhawks back in 2010 won their semifinal series to qualify for the finals, somebody brought forward the the story that one of their players had said that he'd been sexually assaulted by a coach and. There were, I think it was five people, including Joel Quenville and Scott Bowman, the general manager, and Kevin Dayoff, as you say, who was then the assistant general manager and some others in the room. And so that's where this comes from, is who didn't do something? 
and the answer was all of them, it seems. But the, the it's clear, I think, that Scott Bowman, as the guy, as the as the general manager who didn't take action or says, I think he says that he did something, but the, the report says that he didn't. Uh, he had to go. And the bigger question now is you've got, as you said, you've got these two other guys now employed by other teams. And there's an awful lot of people saying, Bubba, that they should step down themselves. And they've both said they're not going to do that. They both are standing by comments they made back in the summer where they said, I knew nothing about this. The report says they must have because they were in the room when this came up. And in fact, they talked about it. But nonetheless, what do you think, I'm not even going to ask you what you think should happen because that's not fair. But do you think that by the weekend, either or both of those guys is still going to be working? Well, I would say so. I would say yes, because I think, you know, there's going to be, this was an independent um, as you know, this all came stems from a lawsuit that Mr. Beach initiated. So the National Hockey League initiated their own independent investigation to this. And obviously there's going to be another investigation that follows not only the Kyle Beach story, but again, the, the prongs of the story. And there's got to be a lot of conversations that have to be had. So I think this is going to, there's going to be a process that's going to take some time to and they really figure out. Now, in my opinion, the league cannot take a long time on this. People are going to want answers. This is now, because of the nature of this story, Scott, and I, I know you know this very well, because of the nature of this story, this is no longer a sports story. No. So pe- people are going to want answers. It's a society story. Sorry? Yeah, it's, a soci- it's a society story. It's, it's, yes. The NHL is being watched by a lot of people now who are not hockey fans who couldn't care less about the hockey to see how they're going to respond on the broader scale to this. Also remember now of its new TV partners. Uh, right now, hockey is in the forefront in the United States like it has never been with its new television contract on ESPN and TNT. So there are all kinds of linkages and there's knowledges and you're talking about the Chicago Blackhawks, one of the original six franchises in the sport, um, in a sport that has, I think, and you, you can correct me and we can talk about this if, if maybe I'm going too far here, but I've always thought that hockey has waved their flag very proudly that we're not like the, the other sports that, you know, our players dress well, we don't. We're not involved in drugs. There's no sex scandals. There's none of you know the stuff that you might hear, you know, a plenty in the National Football League, Major League Baseball, uh, and and other sort of North American sports. They've always kind of, I think, protected their own. I think I think is the way I would describe it. So this is this is huge. Um, so yeah, to answer your original question, I think they'll be employed, but I think if it is found that these players, Joel Quenville, I mean, like I said, Hall of Fame coach, uh, they, they will have, it doesn't matter if they step down. I, I, sorry, it doesn't matter if they are playing for other teams. Um, I think they'll, they'll be forced to step down. Yeah, I, I, expect, I expect they will be as well. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised almost that, I mean, Joel Quenville is coaching tonight for Florida and I'm considering what's going on. I'm kind of surprised because look, we, I can't remember his name now. You, you'll probably remember it. with the Los Angeles Kings a couple of years ago, the player that was, um, there was, there was a situation with an allegation of domestic violence and the team said, look, we want to give you your due process. 
So we're going to continue to pay you, but we don't want you around the team while this is going on because it's not it's not good. And they sent him home. And I expected at the very least that that's what the Florida Panthers would have done in this particular case and probably the Winnipeg Jets to say, look, you're allowed to have your say. We're going to keep paying you, but go away and until this thing is sorted out in a few days at least. Um, if you think you have evidence that can prove or exonerate you that shows this report was wrong, you're going to have that opportunity. But I, I'm just amazed that the Jets and the Panthers, and I just checked you know, on Twitter right now to make sure we're not missing something, something hasn't happened, but both teams have stood down on this basically right now. I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, Slava Voinov was the guy that you were talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, because I believe I mean, in due process. I do. I believe yeah. in due process, and but at the same time, I get that you're also in an entertainment business. So you don't take the guy's paycheck away if there's an so if there's a chance that this isn't right. But I think you're fair to say take a little while away because we can't have you near the team. I think that's fair, and I think that's what I expected. Well, and, and I think I I think we I know maybe. Many moons ago, we've had a conversation here on your program about something similar. I don't remember the, the I mean, oddly enough, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. Remember the Patrick Kane incident with uh, him, I guess, beating up a taxi car, a taxi driver? Right. In Buffalo? Or, yeah, the allegation, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there was all kinds of allegations there, and it was going up into leading up until the, the season, and it was in the preseason. And I, I'll still feel the same way uh, uh, as I did back then, is that I think the best thing for the organization, the best thing for the individual is to, yes, with pay, step away. Like, why, why, I know you want to show strength in a sense, because if you, if you're Joel Quenville and you're saying, I have nothing to do with this, I had no control of this, whatever, and you want to stand firm, you want to go old school and say, I'm going to continue to work until, you know, I'm removed. It, that's his prerogative. But I think for the organization is to just stay, go away for a bit and let due process take care of itself. We're not saying you're guilty, but be, this, how can this not become a distraction? This, the Blackhawks are 0-6 as it stands right now. So every team, every, whether they're in Chicago or in other cities, how is that not a question to the head coach in a press conference every day? Yeah, of course it's going to be. Regardless of course it's he, going to regardless be. Regardless if he says, I can't say anything, it's going to be a question. It is a distraction. Of course it's going to be. And so, yeah, I, it, this is this is a mess. Now, I'll, I'll say one thing. And, you know, I, I don't want anyone to misinterpret what I'm going to say. I am not, uh, uh, based on what we read in this report, and assuming that the report done by an independent investigator or independent investigators is accurate, I am in, no, in, in not one scintilla of a way excusing Joel Quenville, not one, not one bit. What he did, if he was sitting in a room and someone said to him that this kid had been sexually abused, the dismissing it because you've got a championship to play for, it, it doesn't fly. It's not an acceptable response. That said, Bubba, let me ask you this. Out of the 32 NHL coaches and 32 NBA coaches and 32 major league baseball managers and 32 NFL coaches. If you were in a room and you were about to begin playing in the championship game or championship series, and this issue came up, do you think all the other ones would have done different from Quenville and said, let me tackle this right now? Or do you think an awful lot of them would have said, I got to win a championship here. We're here. I can't deal with this right now. 
it's a real tough situation because you're right. I think what you, it adds a layer. I mean, I think it's easy to say what's right and what's not right. It is. Right? It is and easy. That's, that's the easy part. But, yes, when you're in the midst of a championship run, things are going well. We've already, like, players are talking, right? Like, we've already heard some players are talking about that have come up in this report that have actually named Joel Quenville in saying that right now winning is the priority. And what, doesn't that just sound like pro sports to you, Scott? It does. It does. And, that's, and Joel Quenville was paid a handsome salary to do that exact thing, right? Joel Quenville, if Joel Quenville had had a team that was a losing team, but the players thought that he really treated them like humans, he probably wouldn't last long if, if that's... So again, not defending Joel Quenville. And the irony of this is if the people who hired him and were above him in the pecking order had done the right thing, we never would have heard Joel Quenville's comments come out in this report because there wouldn't have been a report, right? But I, like, I'm not defending the guy. There was a, there is a clear right answer in this case, but I think I, I tend to think that an awful lot of the coaches who would be put in that position might have leaned towards the same response he did. I have a job here, and I have a championship to win, and I don't have time for this this very minute. But but then if you're gonna say if we're gonna say this. How can just the general manager and the assistant general manager take the fall for this? Who are now? Oh, they're not going to. No, they won't. There'll be more than that for sure. For sure, I'm not letting anyone off the hook for this. Anyone who was in that room, again, assuming this report is accurate, anyone in that room bears responsibility and is, in my mind, equally culpable because they all could have done something. I, I, you know, and I, I, I mean, I would think because this isn't an independent um, investigation that. I mean, the fact that Bowman and, and, and the assistant GM are no longer part of the team, I mean, I think you have to almost take this word as gospel, right? Like, I mean, I don't think, I, don't, I think this is, if this was done by some Mickey Mouse um, organization that didn't produce a 68-page, you know, findings, uh, quotes, stories, um, you know, testimonials, there's clearly a lot more. And as I said, I've read half of it. And Scott... I don't know how much you've read of it. If you have, first of all, I would tell everyone to probably give it a read. If, you, but I would give you a but warning. Keep the kids away from it. Keep the yes. It's it's it's. I don't it's know. Graphic. It's 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 gra- But it's sickening too. Like yeah, it, oh, of it, course it is. It's graphic, yes, but it's sickening. Like I can't, I can't believe. We love. Like, how many times have we said we love sports? This is what we do for a living. But with it, over the years. Even and now we're finding out. Even in 2010, when you kind of figure that you know people are being a lot smarter, it, the sports mentality still exists. Um, and I'm again kind of. I, I the more I think about this too, and please to our female listeners and male listeners, please don't take this the wrong way. We have always talked about sexual assault and rape and this kind of stuff, and how difficult it is for a female to come out. But I, I, I almost wonder sometimes if it's harder, more difficult for a male, because there's certain stigmas about sports, if it's harder for a male to come out in this situation. Not, and I'm not talking about coming out as, as, as homosexual or anything. Uh, coming out in a situation like this. Well, announcing that you're a victim of this to another yes. male coach. I, look, yes. I, 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 I don't know if it's harder, but I think it would be pretty darn difficult to do. And, and it would be, 
it would be very tough because, only because you're of, only because of the stigmas that, that male yep. sports seems to dominate that this would yep. be so difficult for a guy. And this is why this guy's gone. His life has gone on. It took him 10 years. And only the only reason why he he's come out is because he heard of this, this video coach doing the same thing to a player. I believe at Michigan at a, at a university in, in the United States. And, and he said, I cannot sit here and let this fester any, I can't let him get away with this again. It's, um, yeah. And, and, and like, I, you know, I know that we had, for example, there were a number of women on the U S national soccer team a couple of weeks ago who reported about a, a coach who was behaving inappropriately. And of course, everyone knows about the gymnastics coach, uh, and all the victims that were there. And, you know, I, I am sure that within that that world, like that sports world, I'm sure in the gymnastics world for them to have come out and said this happened to them, it was probably equally difficult because for all of them, they're probably saying, well, how was I in, in their eye, in their mind? I'm not saying they were dumb, but how could I be dumb enough to be fooled into doing, letting this guy do this? That's the comment you hear repeatedly. How did I let myself, how did I let this happen? But they didn't let it happen. But I, but I, I think that's the, that's the part where it makes it so difficult for them to come out is this thought you hear that, how is this my fault? Well, it's not, but that's the, that seems to be often, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I've never been in that position, but you often hear that, that that's something you have to deal with is, well, what could I have done differently? And if you're a big, strong, tough guy, like this guy is, boy, that is a, uh, yeah, it would be very, it would be very difficult to have come forward. And he, he did today. But back to the Blackhawks for a moment, because we only have a minute left here. Um, I, I just, and not just the Blackhawks, like I, I don't know, honestly, how the Winnipeg Jets can let Shevel Day off unless, again, unless he with the with the Jets and, um, and uh, Joel Quenville with the Florida Panthers, unless they somehow can produce some kind of evidence that shows that this investigation whiffed terribly and that they really were not in that meeting or were on a phone call when that part was said or something, so they couldn't have heard it or something, unless they can produce something that would exonerate them. And it would have to be pretty substantial based on this report. I don't know how either of them can keep their jobs or at least not be suspended for such a long time that the team probably says, yeah, you know what? We're not going to sit by and not have a general manager or a coach for a year and a half. Yeah. I I don't even know if a suspension does the job. Probably not. Probably not. And the only reason why I say that. And, and I'm not trying to be a hard ass here, but I just, I just feel like, how could you? You know, that's one thing. I don't know. Uh, boy, I'm just reaching here. That's one thing. If you're stealing signs in a baseball game or something like that, and you get suspended, you can come back. And even that's difficult because everyone's calling you a cheater. But based yeah. on the sensitivity of, of of exactly what happened, how how, how can you? How can you're right. How can you? How can you're, you stand behind the bench? And how could? And, and how could any team rehire someone like that? I just. That, that, yeah. that, you know, it just, it just, it doesn't work. Not, not, I, not I, in 2021. I see. I think they can be, we got to run. We're really late. I think they can be rehired eventually because they were not the ones who committed the crime. Right. So that it is slightly, di- well, it's not slightly, it's, it's different, but I think that it's going to be a while. I don't think that some team just says, oh, wait, Joel Quinville's a great, great coach and Florida just dumped him. So we're going to grab him. I, I, I think there's going to be. He's going to be out of commission if they were to get rid of him. He's going to be out of commission for a while. Someone will give him a chance again. And, and you know, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Because, again, he's not the person who did the act, even though what he did, again, according to this report, was wrong. 
Uh, I'd be okay with him getting a second chance, but I don't think you can just brush it under the rug right now and say, well, we're just going to give him his second chance immediately. You know, there's something's got to happen here. I mean, uh, I've said it's it's kind of a tagline that I use a lot on on, on CHCH, and when sometimes I kind of don't know what to say or something like this comes up, I just basically say, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, something will happen. I just, it has to because you're right. We got to run. You're right. The NHL cannot not do something. It would be terrible, a terrible look on the NHL if they didn't do something here. Anyway, stay tuned. Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. As always, thanks for the time, man. Always a pleasure, though, Scott. Thanks for having me. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.